Well, good morning, Grace Church. I hope you're doing good at home. Thanks for joining us online as we all join once more together in a different way. Uh, who knew that the 2020s were going to be like this? Uh, the good news is they won't stay this way. God is with us. Uh, what a good time to be studying Galatians. We've gotten to uh, be encouraged in all kinds of ways for these times. So uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through the entire series, just uh, in little bite-sized pieces, okay? I want to just walk through it with you. Uh, uh, this is not something super prepared this morning. This is more something I wanted to kind of just, I don't know, see where the Spirit takes us. I mean, after all, it is a series on Galatians. Uh, but I wanted to uh, first just start off by saying what an incredible uh, letter that Paul wrote uh, to these Galatians. And aren't you thankful that we have it? Because honestly, without this letter, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't have, not only would we not have understood a part of history, we would have missed out on a moment in time uh, that was valuable and special and all of that, but we, would, we really would not have had an understanding of the gospel in the way that you and I do because of it. Uh, a lot of the same problems that we're dealing with today, a lot of the same things that we're facing, be it with um, I don't know, uh, how to approach God, right? Are, are we pleasing to him? Uh, which way is the right way? We're living in these relative times, for example. We're living in these times where, uh, in all honesty, uh, it's very similar to what Paul was dealing with in some ways. And so in the same ways that Paul gave answers to them, we can glean the same answers uh, for ourselves in this world that we're living in right now. So, for example, the world had changed during this time that Paul uh, was writing this letter. And so here we are in a world that has once more been changed, uh, at least temporarily, by something that we don't fully understand. And yet we all walk with this confidence that's curious to the flesh. It's curious because it seems like it's based out of nothing. And yet we know, as Paul would say, it's based out of this life that you and I have uh, from him. It's his life in us that you and I enjoy. So be encouraged this morning as we kind of uh, work our way through this just kind of uh, together uh, as a review, and then we'll, we'll touch on the final uh, couple of paragraphs, which to me, I think you'll see why are, are some of the funniest, and uh, I don't know, for somebody who's been in ministry for a while, I can definitely understand the way Paul was feeling to some degree. Uh, so we'll look at that together, and then we'll close this thing out. But I love that Paul, he always begins this way, but he especially began this to the churches of Galatia. He says, grace and peace to you, right? Grace, this idea that that uh, everything had changed uh, and, 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 and it all changed because of an understanding of the truth. We, we saw the truth manifested before us as Jesus. We saw the way manifested to us as Jesus. We saw life for the very first time and it was Jesus. So it's interesting, you know, we used the uh, deck prism last week to talk about some of these things or uh, to understand that sometimes we view things in a way that we think makes sense, right? It makes sense. It looks like, hey, it's a flat surface, dummy. It's obviously supposed to be like that. And as you guys remember from the uh, uh, sermon a couple times ago or whatnot, uh, it, it is actually supposed to sit this way in, in the, in, in the, uh, on the deck of a ship. And so it can cause light to go down uh, and cause light to shed uh, below surface, uh, underneath where maybe they didn't want to bring a, a, a fire of any kind for light. Uh, and so it's really, a, it's really a cool example to say that the, the gospel, what Paul knew he was sharing with the Galatians was something that he had already uh, sold them on. He had already, uh, Christ had already been formed for them, if you will. He had, he had made the gospel make sense to them and they had believed and they were enjoying freedom and all of a sudden they weren't. And that's because they went from seeing the thing that, that, that yes, it doesn't make sense on the surface, but we see a spiritually discerned truth 
all of a sudden the Judaizers had come and what they were saying is, is that no, you need to follow the law, you need to be under the law. In fact, you need to go all the ways to be circumcised, become a Jew, and then you can become a Christian. And so really what they did was they put it back the way they thought everything made sense, that this is the way life is. And Paul had to come back and he had to say to them, guys, look, it's not that way. Everything's changed. So I encourage you this morning from week one, if you remember, that there are these two trees. I love that uh, Rick Mann has touched on this as well in barking up the wrong tree. Right? The idea is, is that there are really only two different realities that exist in this world, uh, that exist anywhere, uh, and, and uh, only one of them is actually reality, okay? So uh, there are two different ways to, uh, so in other words, if you are a part of any other religious idea, any other religion, any other world religion, or any other idea that, that you have to do something to get God's favor or blessing or whatever, then you don't understand the tree of life. You don't understand grace. You don't understand it because it's scandalous. And what makes it scandalous, Paul was being persecuted for it, is this idea that God loves you so much that that is enough. The end. God loves you so much. You're good. Receive it. That's what the gospel is. Where's all the parts in there about the, the things that I need to do? And where's the things that I need to, and, and what's the fear? There's always a level of fear. You know, God's going to punish me if I don't. Where's the, well, that's not the gospel. Because it's called the gospel for a reason. That's good news. So receive this gospel of grace. Receive that God really does love you just the way you are. He loves you. And he welcomes you into the family. And he puts his life within you. And that life will transform everything about what you think is life and reality, and all of that kind of stuff, you will begin to see things, and it won't just be sin. You'll see what God did with sin. You'll see how he took sin away. You'll see that you're a righteous being. You'll see that you get to walk this earth and pass out forgiveness and pass out restoration and pass out the fruits of the Spirit. You get to do that as a believer. It is the most exciting time to be alive. We're in the middle of a crisis. Awesome. Well, let's go watch as God uses us and has his power run through us to heal and restore and support and strengthen people all around us. That's what you and I get to do, and it's amazing. So we talked about how, how uh, there were these two trees in week one. We, we went on to talk about the gospel of grace. You know, when Jesus was born, we see the, the declaration of with man, he, uh, the angel says, man is, uh, God is pleased. It's so the very first time you see that scripture about God being pleased with men since the Garden of Eden when he made man and said, oh, I'm, I'm pleased with this. And the reason why is because Jesus had been born. There was once more someone on the earth that resembled God's preferences, what he liked, what he saw as, well, it was life. And so he says, here, this is, this is what I want you all to see is Jesus. Here, here is my pleasing son. Here is the one in whom I am pleased. And so we as believers know that that is who we are, that this gospel of grace, that it really was by grace alone that you are saved, is what you and I get to, uh, we, we get to inherit as believers. We get to take on and put on and be uh, these children of God. So Paul was sharing these great, uh, these great bits of news, that the gospel of grace was here, that it was nothing like any other uh, covenant, any other relationship, any other approaching uh, any other way to, to approach God, it was all about grace. We talked about the truth of the gospel. You know, this word truth, it actually means reality. So that, that the reality of how things actually are is what Jesus showed you. Uh, Jesus said that the Spirit would remind you of all the things he had done. 
uh, and he would even teach you. He would show you, right? And that's the idea is that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, for example, and we teach our kids the fruit of the Spirit, and yet this is not an exhaustive list. Well, how do I know that? Well, because it's not an exhaustive list of sins either, right before that. Paul talks in Galatians about all of these things, and, and they're, they're, more, they're, they're broader than what you can possibly imagine. So when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, for example, don't get locked up in all of that and that, oh, I need, I need the fruit of uh, peace. I need self-control. I need Well, here's the thing is that the Spirit operates in love. It's relationship. It's not so rigid. It's, it's in this moment, he's there for you in this way. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, look, and even when you don't know what to pray for, I have no idea. I forgot to pray or whatever. The Spirit was praying on your behalf. He's always engaged. Uh, you are good. And I love that. And so the truth of the gospel is that the Judaizers, you guys are not teaching the truth because the reality is Jesus, not Judaism, not, not becoming uh, a, a legalistic person, not being under the law, not living in such a way that you need to observe the law and try to be guided by the law and all of these kinds of concepts that came from the Judaizers. And Paul was saying, look, the reality was Jesus. All of the prophecies about Jesus, all of the, the law about Jesus, what he would be able to do. Do you understand? The law revealed Jesus. When Jesus walked around, that was what the law was really there for. Yes, of course, it was to expose sin and that sin would become even more sinful and all of that. But, but it showed Jesus wasn't a sinner. He, he wasn't committing any sins. It was the obvious sign that the Messiah was here. He was perfect in every way, right? Pontius Pilate, you have people in recorded history who say, look, I couldn't find any fault with the guy. I don't even understand why they're doing this. Well, I can tell you why. The truth of the gospel, the reality of the good news is that God loved you so much that he went to the cross and scorned its shame like he didn't care about the shame. You were worth it to him, and that's the truth. And so when you look at that, no, you don't have to go back to any other covenant. You don't have to go try to appease the law or anything like that at all. No, you live out a brand new life as a new creation in Christ. Uh, we talked about being sanctified. We, uh, we, 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 we talked about how uh, this was something that happened to you at birth. You know, many people today argue sanctification. They argue that, that we are being sanctified. In fact, some, some versions of the Bible uh, or translations of the Bible even put that bias into, in, into their uh, translation and saying that you are being sanctified. It's ridiculous. You can't be being sanctified. Like, you can't, you are something or you aren't, right? Uh, you can't be growing in something. And so um, we, we talked about this. I'm going to use, I'll use my, my light example. You remember this from a few weeks ago. Uh, and we talked about how Paul would say, eventually, he would say, listen, everything that actually matters is faith being revealed through love. It's faith being seen because of the love that's obvious in you. And so we use this as an example, and in case you missed it, we talked about how uh, faith working through this, this, this idea of working uh, really just means to expose the process that God's up to, to expose faith. It makes something that normally is invisible it suddenly makes it visible. Something that faith is not, you can't necessarily see it, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the evidence of things unseen is the idea, right? Well, here's the cool part, is this is it. It's, it's, it's the light of life. It's God's love. It's all of this on display in you. And so anyway, we plug this in, of course, to our light source, which is God. He's the source of all life. And all of a sudden, people can see what is normally invisible. They can see the energy or the process of God where he sanctifies us or includes us in his life. Now, you might ask, um, 
Well, why do we not understand this as Christians? Why do so many Christians believe they are being sanctified? Well, it's because we look at ourselves and, and we see sin in the flesh, or we see something that Christ took away from us that he took to the cross, and the Bible says he actually took it away, cast it as far as the east is from the west. He knew you were going to do that thing. And yet, because we see it, as somebody who once shook my hand on the way out the front door said, I just don't believe what you're saying because I can see sin. I can't believe I'm sanctified. I can't believe I'm holy because do you know what I did last week? You know, or yesterday, or the thought I just had, or whatever? Look, that's your flesh. That was crucified. So what does sanctification look like? Well, it looks like crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus demonstrated what sanctification looked like. In John chapter 17, he talks about sanctification, and he says, sanctify them in the truth. He goes, your word is truth. I'm the truth. Sanctify them in reality. Put them in reality, where the devil, he says, has no place, can't touch you. Christians, it, it drives me crazy, uh, it, or it, I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean? It, it just, it, it makes you really upset to hear Christians say that, well, the devil right now is really doing this to me, and I'm fighting this demon, and this is happening here. Listen to me very carefully. You are in Christ, okay? His life is within you. You are sanctified in the truth. The enemy cannot touch you. The enemy can have no place in you. These ideas of footholds come from thinking it comes from uh, not trusting God about something when you can just rest in him and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm sanctified in the truth. And no amount of sin that I find in my flesh will shock you because you took all of that on the cross 2,000 years ago. Just remember this. God is never disappointed, and he can't be. That means you don't know something. It means there was something shocking to you. So God saw you on the cross and thought you were worth more than his own life. And so, yeah, he didn't leave you kind of half sanctified, half working it out. No, you are sanctified in the truth. And here's the reason why. Pastor Clark preached this. It's because it's based off of an unchangeable covenant. It's based off of his promise. How good is it? Well, as good as God's promise. And God's promises are good. And the Father and the Son, they're the ones that promised each other. Are they ever going to disagree or break the promise? No. It's why he's our high priest forever forever because he already knows. I can tell you it's going to be forever. He's giving you the answer. He's giving you the end. He's saying, look, just so you know, this goes on forever and ever and ever. How do I know that? Because I know the end from the beginning, and he's there. All right, so that's why the next part in the series I talked about, don't be stupid. Okay, now I don't mean to offend you with that word, but don't be stupid. Don't do something dumb. And, 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 and what is spiritually dumb is when you try to take something that was killing you beforehand, right? The law it was not evil. The law was good, all those things. And yet it was there to expose sin. That's all it could ever do. It was a ministry of death, the Bible says. It, it, it wasn't bad. It just ministered death. And so here's Christians that are alive and they go, okay, now we can go back to the law. Now we can take on death again. Don't do something stupid, okay? Please don't try to mix the old covenant and the new covenant. Do you understand, as I, I think we need to appreciate, that Jesus existed on both sides of the cross, right, in two different lanes. On the one hand, he was in the Old Covenant, and he lived it out perfectly. He, he taught law. He, he spoke law. He, he, he put the law, he elevated it back up to where it belonged. He, he magnified it in that way. To, the, to those who were legalists, he offered a harder version of the law than they had ever seen. But to those who were humble, to those who were meek and poor and all of that, he offered grace. 
See, he never came out and never preached grace. You never see Jesus use the word like, hey, I'm, I'm teaching the gospel of grace here. The Spirit revealed that to Paul later. But no, in these moments, Jesus just administered grace. He showed grace. So don't be stupid and try to go back and finish a work that Jesus already finished so that you could rest. Rest. Right now, that's what we're supposed to all be doing anyway, right? Resting from home. Well, let's talk about that, because the next part in the series we got to is how we are all one in Christ. Boy, if there's ever a time when we get to see that demonstrated, it's right now. Did you notice a lot of the things that we were fighting over, that people were all mad about, and all the different hurts and that kind of stuff? It all kind of subsided there for a bit, doesn't it? As soon as a crisis happens, 9-11 or coronavirus or whatever else, all of a sudden the world says, hold on a second, let's think about what is really important. And as believers, we get to know what is really important all the time. And that's being one, together as one. The way that God did this is he sanctified us, as we just talked about. And as I shared before, uh, all of those who have gone before us are a part of this great cloud of witnesses. Well, how, how are they still tied to? Well, we're all one. Everybody is one who is in Christ because we're all in him. And so this is the proof, Paul says, that the world is looking for. It's not that we would create a, a, uh, a Judaism part two, or like, a, hey, we're going to add on to this. Now it's the old covenant plus the new covenant, and we're building on to this thing. And no, he says it's an entirely new thing. And I, that's why people were so offended. It's why the Judaizers were so offended. You were attacking the law. You were saying that its relevance was, was waning, that it, that it didn't have a place in a believer's life. What are you talking about? They hated all of that. And yet that is exactly what happened. We have become one. Whether you, uh, you differ in skin tone or ability to sing, uh, we are all one. And I love that. I love that we can all look at each other through the lens of grace, through the lens of, of the love of God, and see his beautiful creation that's all around us. And come together knowing that we've been fit together. The Bible says that you have been placed or put together, fit together with each other as the body of Christ. And we get to go around and do some really cool stuff because the next part is we were heirs of God. Do you know how scandalous, how huge that was to hear? You are a child of God? That was never before a possibility. You could be the children of Israel or, you know, you could be a part of, of a thing God was doing. But to say that you are a child of God, whoa, this is big news. And that's who you and I are. We are children of God. We were born of God. Guess what? My kids may not like me someday, and I hope that never happens, but they can't ever not be my kids. They can disown me. They can change their names. They can, they can do whatever they'd like, and they're still my kids. Why? Because my blood runs through their veins. In the same exact way, that is who we are as believers. It doesn't matter if you have a bad day or a good day. You're a child of God, and you walk with him. And the good news is the guarantee of that came in the next part of the series where we talked about how the law has been fulfilled by Jesus and placed within you and me. You know, Paul would, he would talk about the intent of the law. He says, look, there's a purpose to the law. There, there is a reason for it. It's, it came later. It came after the promise that God had already made. So in other words, it didn't nullify the promise. In fact, it'd be something that would, would be continuing towards the promise uh, that came uh, to Abraham. And so Moses, when he gets the law, it's for a purpose. And in fact, it was just for a specific people, in fact, which is even more curious that these Gentiles would be trying to get under the law. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't for them. There was a purpose and a plan that God had been working out through all of this uh, that include the people of Israel. And so uh, here he explains all of this. The law had been fulfilled in Jesus. That word fulfilled comes from the word pleru, which means 
uh, to, to be done in such a way as to never be done again. So the idea is to check a box off. When you're, when you're packing your clothes and you check off underwear, you, you don't need to go back and put more underwear in. That's the, it's the confidence you have that you're ready for your trip. Uh, and hopefully you have more than just underwear. Uh, but, but you have to check the boxes and they're done. This is always tied in, by the way, this word playroo. You always see it around the concept of the prophets, the law and the prophets. They're always they're, they're together. And the law wasn't just, of course, the Mosaic law. There's an understanding of even the law as far as the Torah and the history of, of Judaism and what God had been doing with his people. And so he sums up all of it. Jesus fulfills or brings it to its natural end, its completed stage. And what we saw was the end of Adam, where Adam goes into the ground. Adam goes on a cross, actually, and then into the ground. And we see this brand new Adam come to life. We see the, we see the new creation come to life. And that new creation comes to you and offers that to you and says, would you like to be born again? Would you like to be made new? Would you like to, to get out of the world where you're trying to live up to the law and instead have the law fulfilled within you so that life now runs through your veins? You can see sin, cool, but you can also see what God did with sin so that you can celebrate and rest in what he has finished. All right, then we talked about walking by the Spirit. Rick and Judy Manis talked about this, about fruit that naturally comes out of your life. I love that. And it's so true. If you just will just listen to God, right? If you'll rest in Him, if you'll stop trying to hear from God and just hear from Him, okay? Uh, we'll talk more about that later. But, but resting in Him, in other words, not trying to do something, just rest, calm down, like relax. That's a physical thing. But spiritually to say, I'm not striving to please you, Lord. I am pleasing to you. Maybe you just start with those thoughts and repeat those kinds of things to yourself. But as you do and as you learn, as you grow, as you mature, you walk by the Spirit. Today, how are you going to walk by the Spirit? Well, you're going to do that because your life is in Him. You do it naturally, as, as Rick and Judy were saying. But choose. Make some choices. The Bible says that uh, you are this new creation. Now, now walk in this way or be this thing now. So look for an opportunity today. Don't, don't, don't sow to the flesh, as we, we talked about in in, in the meaning of life or restorative whatnot. Like the idea here is, <laughs> looking at my notes, the idea is, is that uh, you can do this every single day, all day. Listen to God. There's people right now that God has been having me pick up a phone and just call them. Uh, and I can't even tell you the crazy stories. There's some stuff that we'll, we'll give some testimony here soon about. But, but uh, things where I've been praying about things for years, God had me call somebody, that person all of a sudden, I mean, all that kind of cool God stuff where you go, this is so amazing. And that's walking by the Spirit. It's being tuned in, just listening to who you are, to what's in you. It's all overcomplicated. Uh, we talked about the meaning of life and the importance of water. Hang on one second. We talked about the meaning of life. And it was the point of the entire series. I used the, uh, I used the bulb and all of this, the life of, of, uh, of love. Um, faith working through love. This is what it's all about. If you don't do anything else with your entire life but demonstrate love well, guess what? Uh, all of the rest of the stuff's going to be forgotten anyway. People are going to forget about all of your uh, accolades and things you did and did well and all of that. But what they won't forget is how you loved. I, I can tell you right now, I've done a lot of funerals. And usually at the funerals, people spend about this much time on what the person did. Usually it's in like a eulogy or something. And then we kind of move on and start telling stories, right? And the stories that matter aren't just the ones that make us laugh. It's, it's the ones that we remember that this was a life of love. 
And that's all from a human standpoint. Now think of it from a spiritual love. Think of it from a love that doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, it wasn't just that he loved those who loved him. He loved those who hated him. That's the kind of love that only can happen from the Lord and as he leads you and guides you. And so that, as we are new creations who are always new, that is the kind of life that you and I uh, live out. And then we, we stopped last week we're talking about restorative life. That the point of, the point of a, a believer, one of the things that we get to do is restore others. We get to go to them and not throw stones or, or pick out the things that are heavy on them. We go over and we pick up some of the heavy things and we carry them and we say, here, I got this. Let me walk this out. Let me, let me walk with you. And it's not by the way to brag and it's not about our effort. No, it's of course about his strength and he'll lead you to people. He'll say, hey, help this person. And if you will, you'll find the Lord's strength within you to do so. And so you'll suddenly be carrying uh, stones. I was looking around for my rocks or somewhere, but you could have some, some stones that you walk along and it won't even feel heavy because the love that you are walking out together will, will, will surprisingly sustain you and hold you because it's the Lord. And so that goes into this last this last little bit from Paul as we close out Galatians, and I've entitled this Go With the Flow, because here's the idea. Uh, so oftentimes um, uh, we think that the Christian life, the Christian walk, uh, the point is the hardship of it all, okay? Uh, it's so many times we, we make it hard on ourselves, uh, and we think that that's persecution, that we, we put ourselves through things, and no, oh, God's really putting me through something right now, and, and we see things from a lens of we're trying to show God that we're faithful or we're able. Listen, God already knows all that you're capable and incapable of doing, and that's why he put Christ within you. And so Paul is just, he's wrapping all of these thoughts up, and he says this in Galatians 6, verse 11. See with what large letters I'm writing you with my own hand. I mean, he, a lot of times they'd have scribes and people write things for him, and at the very end they may come and sign it or put their kind of thing on it. And, and in this case, he's saying, listen, I've taken over at this point, and I'm writing with, with as large letters as I can. Now, maybe his eyesight was going in his old age. I don't know. Either way, I think the point was is he really, 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 Wants, uh, wants you to understand uh, this truth that he's been sharing. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh, this is everybody who tries to do that, they try to compel you to be circumcised or to give money or to do something simply so they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. In other words, the only reason why they're doing this is that they're, they're scared uh, that they're going to be crucified just like Jesus. They're scared that they're going to be persecuted like I am. For those who are circumcised, they don't even keep the law themselves. Nobody does. Because if you break one, you broke them all. But they desire to have you circumcised so that you may boast, that they may boast in your flesh. Look at what we did. We got some more converts. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, listen, guys, you guys are fighting to be impressive on the earth, and I died to the earth a long time ago. The only reason why I'm here at this point is faith revealing itself through love, expressing itself through love. Neither uh, circumcision is anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation, he says. All the old stuff doesn't matter. It's all about Jesus. It's all about this new creation. And those who will walk by this rule peace and mercy will be upon them. Is that because God is giving it to them as a, as a good reward or a treat for doing the right thing? No, it's for all of us who walk in this rest. Walk out. Is, what, what is Jesus doing right now? Well, he is experiencing peace and mercy right now because that's who he is. 
And so the awesome thing is, as Paul is saying, if you will walk by the Spirit, you will experience peace and mercy and upon the Israel of God, upon the children of God, he's saying, this new Israel, this, this new inclusion of even Gentiles. From now on, I love this part. Paul's getting old. He says, listen, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. <laughs> I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. And that's how he concludes this incredible letter that honestly gave us theology to, 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 to understand the Spirit and God with. Uh, it's a great resource and a tool that we would understand this is an entirely new thing um, that he's done. Everybody else is just trying to make an effort in their flesh. They're trying to be something here on earth. But instead, we are someone because of Christ in us. You know, you were someone before all of this too, and you were someone who Jesus loved so much. He thought you were so valuable. He sent his own son to do what you never would be able to do. He uh, never trespassed. He never did anything wrong, and yet gave his life for you and for me. You know, so many stories are, are written where the hero of the story bravely gives up their life in some kind of heroic gesture or noble gesture of the giving up of their life for all of these wonderful people that were you know, needing to be saved. And what makes God so amazing, what makes his grace so amazing is all of us weren't good guys. You may not have done anything bad in your life, really, or whatever, but we weren't the good guys in the story, if I were to use that metaphor. No, we were the bad guys. We were the ones that were the thieves and the crooks and and all of that just by nature. <laughs> and so God didn't try to rehabilitate us. He didn't try to add in his divine nature so that you have a divine nature and the spirit nature and together combined, you'll be all right. And now he crucified you with Jesus. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. This is not the life uh, that I'm representing anymore. No, it's his life in me. This is an all-new life based 100% on God's great grace for you. That's why he says grace and peace to you at the beginning of the letter and ends with amen. Let it be so. Grace and peace. Grace. God reaching out to you with outstretched arms saying, won't you receive my love? Won't you receive a new identity? Won't you receive my life? And won't you be who I made you to be? I hope you've enjoyed this study on Galatians. It's been through some interesting times, and yet, apparently, that's just what this earth continues to do. Puts us through interesting times. Will you go out there and express faith and allow everyone to be able to see that faith, the love that you offer the world around you? Jesus said, and I leave you with this, that they will know that you're my disciples based on that kind of love. So let's go love the people around us with an unconditional, godly kind of love. Amen. Amen.